1: Well, starting the day, the Red Sox were not, shall we say, on the iron throne. They were tied for last place to the Blue Jays, six games behind the Rays, game and a half behind the injury-ravaged second-place Yankees. They needed a good one Sunday afternoon. They got one. As Tiger was slipping on the green jacket at the Masters, the Sox were slipping on a robe and slippers and enjoying the comforts of home. So, yes, let's take our horse to the Old Town Road, this is the opposite of Game of Thrones. This is a dragon-free edition of the Sox Daily Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast.
0: It's your Daily socks Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the socks are doing. It's your Daily socks Podcast. It's your Daily socks Podcast.
1: In the vicinity, uh, the Red Sox with a meatloaf weekend. Two out of three ain't bad is usually what we say, but when you start the weekend four and nine, and you're needing to stack some wins, and when you're facing the equivalent of the Washington Generals, three out of three would have actually been better, but from the files of beggars can't be choosers, two wins, one loss against Baltimore, and now six and ten, 16 games along. Josh Lewin with you. Let's start with a little weekend recap. If you missed Friday and Saturday, real quick for you, Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound Friday, a 6-4 win. He got 21 swings and misses, a career high, which begged the question, was he actually on, or was it that he was facing the Baltimore Orioles of 2019? It's like in a situation where someone has a terrible singing voice, but the audience is hard of hearing. Does that constitute a successful concert? He, He did retire the first 14 that he faced, but it was against the likes of Hanser Alberto, so we're just kind of pointing that out. JBJ had a terrific catch in center in this one. His gold glove will not voluntarily be passed to Ramon Laureano of Oakland. Saturday, this one was a stinker top to bottom, a 9-5 loss in which Porcello struggled with his command, didn't make it out of the fifth inning. Reliever Colton Brewer gave up four runs in the sixth. In fact, he faced five batters, didn't get an out, gave up two walks, three singles, and he was done after a two-run single by Rio Ruiz, though the, uh, the second run might not have scored without questionable defensive decision-making. You had Xander Bogarts and Dustin Pedroia playing the shift that allowed Rio, dancing on the sand, to uh, sneak one right in between them to right. J.D. Martinez, kind of an ill-advised decision to throw to third base. He had very little chance of getting it out. Just ugly all around, pretty much. And as for Porcello, well, back in his Cy Young season of 2016, You might remember he walked 32 batters in 223 innings. Now he's given up 12 walks in 11 and a third here in 2019. He even allowed Chris Davis to break that historic 0 for 54 with a two-run single in the first. That, after walking a pair, kind of cute that Davis asked for the ball, too. That was a a lighthearted moment. Porcello said he's struggling with command in part because he's rushing his delivery. Okay, well, something's got to give because... With an ERA of 11.12, there's only one regular rotation major league starter who's any worse than that right now. It's Reynaldo Lopez of the White Sox. Plus, you've got Sale with an 8, Evaldi, 8.4. So those three, Porcello, Evaldi, Sale, three of the bottom five ERAs in the majors right now among starters. Zach Grenke's down near the bottom two, if that helps. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, some other big names struggling early as well. But obviously, it's time for the Red Sox big three to get going. Don't forget about David Price. Easy to do that sometimes for some reason, because we spend so much time just kind of doing the the V8 forehead smash about what's going on with those other three. David Price, two starts in, six innings, and four runs allowed both times. Wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't that bad. He was going to take on another lefty, John Means, Sunday afternoon. And coming into this game, kind of a neat stat, I thought. Highest win percentage ever at Fenway. David Price, second all time at 26 and 7. That's a 788. Smoky Joe Wood in front of him at 39 and 6. That's an 867. Pedro, if you're wondering, is fifth all time. He was 58 and 19 at Fenway. That's a 753. And Price just off the charts, great numbers against Baltimore in his career. Last year, three starts against him, three walks, 24 strikeouts. He's never thrown fewer than five innings or allowed more than five runs against these guys in basically two dozen starts. So he felt good about that. J.D. Martinez, always good numbers against Baltimore, and he had come in having reached base in each each of his first 15 games this year. He had hit safely in 14 of them. More walks and strikeouts, very solid start, kind of under the radar for Martinez this year. And if you're looking at at-bats per home runs the last three years, here's your top dog. He's now ahead of Joey Gallo by just a bit, Mike Trout third on the list, the other Chris Davis, Fourth on the list, then it's Judge and Stanton after that. But J.D. Martinez on top of all those guys, and Nelly Cruz, Bryce Harper, Bellinger, people like that. So it was a, a double, actually, not a homer from J.D. that got the Red Sox going. He did that in the bottom of the fourth after a Steve Pierce single. And with runners at second and third, sack fly from Xander Bogarts makes it one nothing Boston. Good to grab a lead. Not good to have seen Andrew Benintendi crank a foul ball off the top of his right foot the inning before. Benny had stayed in the game and doubled but then left the game soon after. X-rays negative, we are told. We'll see where it all goes. John Means changing speeds was a tough opponent. Five innings for him, just one run allowed. Then a little scare on the top of the sixth. Price leaves a fastball in the middle of the plate, and the Rule 5 shortstop, Richie Martin, doubles off the monster. But then Price strikes out Cedric Mullins with a perfect cutter. Gets out of the inning from there. Bottom of the sixth, that same guy, Richie Martin, a throwing error. Gives the the Sox a second and third two-out break. They're trying to bust it open. And last year, boy, if someone makes an error, the Sox would take full advantage, right? You crack the window up just an inch, they'd kick out the glass with some steel-toed work boots. So Eduardo Nunez, how about it, kid? Uh, Nope. Strikeout on a slider in the dirt from Evan Phillips. Top of the seventh, another scare for Price. Another leadoff double, this one from Trey Mancini. Not related to Henry Mancini, composer of Moon River, known on this podcast as a song sung by Chevy Chase during his prostate exam in Fletch. You know, come on, going to use the whole fist doc? You've seen that movie. Anyway, a fly ball to Mookie Betts in center. He was out in center instead of right because JBJ had a touch of the flu, didn't play on Sunday. Up comes Hanser Alberto, comebacker to Price, no problem. Jesus Sucre, infield pop out. So there's two straight innings, pitch count up. Lead-off double allowed by Price, he still freezes out the Orioles. That's a heck of an effort by number 10. Yes, number 10 this year, not number 24. And do do you guys all have this now, by the way? Because fans quickly cracked the code after Price issued the challenge. Why am I number 10 now and not 24? The original thought was it's an homage to his young son Xavier, X, he calls him, and X equals 10. He's also come out, though, now and said he would really like to see 24 freed up if they ever want to retire it for Dewey Evans, which is very nice. Ten was a catcher's number in the 70s and 80s for the Red Sox. That was Bob Montgomery and Rich Gedman, Scott Hattaberg, uh, but then also a little Mike Brumley and Andre Dawson in between. This decade, it's been uh, not exactly a who's who. It's been a little bit of Scudero, a little bit of shoppik, uh Herrera, Hannigan. Last decade, it was Dave McCarty and Coco Crisp. Not a lot of famous 10s lately. There was one famous Red Sox lefty on the mound who wore 10 with a lot of distinction, but it was 80 years ago. That was Lefty Grove, owner of nine ERA titles, five as a Philadelphia Athletic, four while in Boston. But anyway, had he kept 24, I would have been fine. That's a killer baseball number, mostly for hitters, Willie Mays, Ricky Anderson, Ken Griffey Jr., Miguel Cabrera. Whether he's 24, whether he's 10, whether he's an apostrophe. Uh, David Price is a very important guy for the Red Sox, obviously, this year. And he gave them seven innings of three-hit shutout ball, no walks, seven strikeouts in this one. Top of the eighth, uh, another scare, this time against the bullpen. Ryan Brazier pitching. Orioles finagle first and third, two out for the pinch hitter Dwight Smith, Jr., a guy who would uh, hit a home run on Friday, by the way. This time, a little fly ball to center. It stays one nothing, but it felt like a rickety bridge about to collapse. He needed a little bit of a boost. So, bottom eight, Mookie Betts beating the shift, breaking ball away, leadoff single. Mookie now on base 27 games in a row against Baltimore with a pile of doubles and home runs in there. This one was just a single. Eventually, Xander Bogarts comes up with two on now, and there's your 2018 flashback. A chance to do damage late, damage done. Three-run shot to the batter's iron center on a slider up from Josh Lucas. So, all four runs batted in in the game from Bogarts. And when Bogarts made his big league debut six years ago, Alex Cora was in his first year then as an analyst on TV for ESPN, and he saw Bogarts play on TV. He had a hot take on Twitter. He he said back then, I know this is early, but Xander Bogarts equals Manny Machado, is what Cora wrote for the Twitterverse. And everybody on Twitter jumped all over him, all over Cora, that is, saying, come on, you know, are you kidding me? And now Cora says, yeah, I got crushed with that take but I wasn't that far off. X going to give it to you, uh, the, bre- the breathing room that the bullpen needed, provided with that one swing. 4 nothing the final. Matt Barnes polished off that final inning. And after the game, Alex Cora meeting with the media about all kinds of things.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Um, if you if you take a look at his starts, you know, his stuff he has been there. Um, three pitches in Oakland and then that inning in Arizona. But stuff-wise, he's way ahead or he was last year at this point. Um, everybody knew where we were pitching-wise today, and for him to go seven and give the ball to those last two guys, it was very important for us now, tomorrow. we kind of like reset, and we're ready for the game tomorrow. Uh, how much did you like the mix of pitches he had? It seemed like he kind of had everything going there too. Yeah, I, I think it's been like that both starts. Uh I, I, you know, that inning in Arizona it was more about location than anything else. But in 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 Oakland it was the same thing, you know, it just uh, it was a hang, uh, actually a good pitch to Davis, the home run and Loriano first pitch fastball and then the hanging changeup, but he he's been mixing it up, you know, location-wise and and he, he's been good. You know, you you look at the real numbers pitching-wise. I don't know his WHIP is below one, so that that's a good sign. You know, and the ERA right now, obviously, that will go up and down. It's not too many innings, but the numbers that really matter. You know, there's not too much traffic with him. Yeah, the sixth and seventh inning, leaving the runners stranded both times. For, considering the bullpen, those seem like they were pretty big innings for you. It was, yeah, but we, I trust the guy. You know, I didn't. He knows how to maneuver and in it, and, and he was throwing the ball well. You know, the fastball, his velocity was good. The changeup was great. So you know, I never, you know, didn't thought about going to the bullpen that early. You know, um, he he's in great shape. He's healthy. And uh, he's a guy that we, we really trust, you know. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I talked to him in the six. I'm like, I'm good. I'm really good. So we just let him go. And uh, how's Ben Um, Day-to-day, sore. I mean, that was... That was a good shot. Seems like he's been getting that uh every other day. So uh we'll see how he feels tomorrow. Uh rays were negative, so um, you, know, you never know how they you know, they wake up and all of a sudden they feel great for but uh as of now probably stay away from him tomorrow. Uh what happened with Jackie and, and when did you know that you weren't gonna be able to have him? I knew during batting practice. Yeah, so just a flu. You know, it's been going on for what, like, <laughs> since spring training. So keep him away from the from the team. Let's see how he feels tomorrow. Um, nothing we can do with that. So, yeah.
1: Just what was the conversation with Ben Attendee on the field? I mean, when he first started moving around, it, it looked really rough.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about how you feel. Can you go? And then Brad just walks him through the whole Process, You know, where you where you feel pain or is there tingling on your toes or um, all this stuff, whatever. And he, he said he was good, and I hit the double. But uh, at that point, I was like, eh, it's, it's not a good idea. Uh, Brazier getting gotten you out of the, the eighth. Uh, how big was that swing from Xander to kind of open it up a little bit? In the We've been looking for that for a while, you know, kind of like that breathing room. Um, Mookie did a good job with two strikes going the other way, JD, um, put some good swings, and then Xander, it was a hanging slider, if I'm not mistaken, he he put great at bat today, kind of like staying in the the middle of the field, going the other way, the, the first one, the rocket first, and then the sack fly, I mean, he struck out in a borderline pitch. And then there, you know, he put a good swing, and it. it was big. We 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 haven't done that, you know, probably the whole season. I
1: don't want to say, but it, it was it was good to do that. Okay, good. thank you, appreciate it. All right, so there you go. There's the skipper, four runs, seven hits, one error for Boston. Oh, five and one for Baltimore. One more game left in this wraparound series, and it's an early one. It's the Patriots Day game, eleven oh five a.m. weather permitting, Monday. Hector Velazquez against Dan Straley, who's got an ERA. That harkens you back to the Great Depression, 1929. Australia's an extreme fly ball pitcher who's got to feel very lucky that the forecast is for soggy weather. Ball not as likely to jump. Remember, a year ago, the Sox had to cancel the Patriots' day game because of bad weather, and the forecast for Monday, not great, but the forecasts have actually started looking a little better. Maybe the rain tapers off mid-morning, comes back late in the afternoon, so maybe there's a window to actually play. The pitching matchups are set for the two-game series at Yankee Stadium, Chris Sale will get the ball for the Sox on Tuesday. James Paxton goes for New York. Nathan Evaldi and Jay Happ will match up on Wednesday. And overall, this will be a five-game road trip. Seems kind of normal now, right? I mean, that initial 11-game trip, the longest season opening road trip for any defending champ in the World Series era, which is not to make an excuse for the 3-8 and start, but that scheduling sure did not help. The previous longest opening road trip for a defending champion we've discovered nine games. That was back in 1923. That was the New York Giants, and their trip, I mean, they they had four games in Brooklyn. That's not really a trip. You go across a bridge. The Red Sox, on the other hand, 6,400 miles on the old airplane, and that did not help. A three and eight start is what they got out of it. Anyway, one more home game before this trip to New York and Tampa Bay. If the Sox get the win with Hector Velasquez going hopefully five innings or so, well, that would make it a four and two homestand and provide everyone with a feeling of onward and upward once and for all. That'll do it for the podcast for this time. By now, you probably know a lot more about Game of Thrones than you did before. I've I've never touched the stuff myself, but I'm I'm trying to get with the the cultural zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it here. I mean if everybody else is talking about it and singing that stupid song, I guess I gotta get with the program at least a little. I'd rather come back tomorrow and talk a little Red Sox and Orioles for you. And then, obviously, some Red Sox and Yankees will be quite nice, too. Two-game series following the one game in the morning against Baltimore on Monday. For now, Josh Lewin. Bye-bye.